White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. This is a victorious, a playoff clinching walk on Sox. I cannot believe that we're saying that with 10 games to go still. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. And Chris, how's your friend doing over there? Bill, come on, Bill. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. And this playoff clinching edition of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. You know, if you're like me, you're thinking about hitting the open road one last time before the cold weather comes. You know, maybe your kids are doing the remote learning thing and gives you the luxury of being able to go anywhere you want. Well, before you pack up the car and get your family loaded up in the car, make sure everything in your car is running tip-top shape. And if you need to buy parts, do it at rockauto.com because there's so many different makes and models of cars these days. It's nearly impossible to stock all the parts that your car is ever going to need in a traditional storefront you know you go in there and they've got all the questions is your car an lx or an ex and they're like oh i don't remember and then the counter person orders the parts from their computer choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry well what's the point of that you've got a computer Heck, you got one right in your pocket. It's your cell phone. And with that phone, you can go to rockauto.com. You see, those chain stores I just mentioned, they offer different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers like you and I. But rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everybody. And more importantly, they're always reliably low. Rockauto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear, sort of like how airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody. It does not require membership or account login. You just go in there, Grab the parts you're looking for, pay for them, and just wait for them to arrive at your door quickly. And our friends at rockauto.com, they're a family business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Don't believe me? Check it out for yourself. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, yeah, Herbie, an exciting day if you're a White Sox fan. I couldn't wait to uh, to get going with this episode tonight. It kind of sucked that we we're at, at work, and you know, I just you know, I would love to get the instant reaction, but such is life. But you know, on the flip side of that, get to bed at a at a timely hour tonight. You don't have to wait for a, a West Coast baseball score to see what the Mariners are going to do and what the Giants are going to do, and see if maybe you can back into a to a playoff berth. But no, the Sox seize the opportunity today. They beat the Twins by a score of four to three taking three of four from the Minnesota Twins this week and they improved their record to 33 and 17 and the White Sox are returning to the playoffs for the first time in 12 years there's a lot to talk about about this game right here and a lot of good stuff that happened in the post game and we'll talk about our feelings about being back in the playoffs but first uh, let's get into the game itself because there's a lot going down in this game today a lot of interesting stuff a lot of head scratching things a lot of exciting things but let's start f- uh, with the man who took the bump for the White Sox today Ronaldo Lopez got the start and if you would have told me two years ago oh Ronaldo Lopez is going to pitch the Sox into a playoff berth I'm like oh yeah that, that sounds about right um, mm-hmm. but a lot of things uh, sort of went sideways along the way over the last two years but you didn't this is not exactly how you drew it up uh, when Ronaldo Lopez came on the scene, but a really nice outing today. Five and a third, four hits, three runs, all of them earned, just one walk, six strikeouts. Pretty nice outing for Ronaldo today, wouldn't you say, Herb? I would say extraordinary outing. I don't know, like, this is the last two outings he's had. If he was done this earlier in the year, I've been like, okay, Ronaldo, let's go. You're a solid contributor to this rotation and we're looking forward to next year where you're a little bit better and you're definitely in the running for next year. But I've doubted him. You know me, I've uh, counted him out and saw yesterday that he was going to be pitching instead of Dallas Keiko. So I was disappointed that Keiko wasn't pitching. And also 
knowing that Ronaldo Lopez likes to walk hitters and give up long bombs, I was like, ah, it's not going to be a good thing. A split with Minnesota wouldn't have been a bad thing, but it also it would have been like a deflating kind of winning the first two and then losing the last two. But before the series started, we both said under two and a half wins. We thought we we're going to get a split, and we won three out of four. And Ronaldo Lopez is part of that. He only gave up four hits, two rocket home runs to Byron Buxton, who was on one right now. And so, and then he gave up another hit to Byron Buxton. And then the home run by Josh Donaldson, which I don't think he should even been in the game at that time, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there. We'll get to the that exact um, plate appearance a we little will. later. But yeah, Ronaldo Lopez, I got to give kudos. He's pitched well this last two times out there and has earned himself some time in the playoffs. Maybe not starting, but somewhere where if he needs to pick up some innings or a spot start because somebody's hurt, I don't feel as... Uh, trepidatious as I did before. Absolutely. He stood tall today, man. And, and you saw a lot more of it than I did. Um, but when, when when I came into work today and the game was on, he, he was filthy, man. He was pitching with conviction. Uh, all the pitches were working for him. And, you know, he just he wasn't out there nibbling. You know what I mean? Like you actually felt like he had a game plan and he realized the moment that he was in and he was, you know, building off of that last start against the Tigers, which I didn't put a whole lot of stock in, but maybe that meant something to him. Maybe being able to see it for, you know, with his own two eyes and to prove it to himself and his teammates, maybe that did a lot of good for the psyche of Ronaldo Lopez. And I'm not, certainly I'm not going to take a victory lap here about Ronaldo Lopez after two good starts, but uh, you know, I, 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 I have faith in the kid, man. Like I only because I've seen the stuff play, at the big league level, and there, there's always that possibility. Whenever I see him out there, that he can sort of unlock that stuff, and it's it's a possibility every time he takes the bump. So hopefully things can continue. I don't know what his future holds for the White Sox. I'm I'm thinking just first blush right now. I'm thinking okay, that's going to be a long man, uh, a, a number six starter that'll fill in if someone gets hurt along the way next year. And that if if that's what he is next year for this team, that's a very valuable piece because pitchers get hurt all the time. Guys need an extra day here or there. And, you know, Ronaldo still has some 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 things that he can add to this team in the long term. And, and I'm glad that he wasn't completely written off and, and sent down to uh, sent up to Schaumburg to, to die this season. I'm glad that he had his moment out there for the Sox today because he was one of the first guys that we watched at when the rebuild began, like one of the first pieces we got back. And, you know, it was good to see him out there today and contribute and be a part of the team, man. That, that was good stuff out there from Ronaldo Lopez today. He got some help from the bullpen, but that's what this team has done all year long, bailing each other out. Uh, Cordero came in, Hoyer got the win, Colome came in for the four-out save, but We'll get to all that in just a second, but this this ball game today, early on, it was basically the solo home run fest. You had the two solo homers by Byron Buxton, and again, the Sox are working off the 2008. Since we're talking about a lot of the 2008 tonight, they're working off the the Jason Kubel 2008 <laughs> scouting report, where it's just like, ah, we don't know what to throw this guy. Just uh, try to put him on base, just, just just intentionally walk him. But he's been killing the ball lately, especially against the White Sox. Then you had two solo shots, one by Encarnacion and one by Jose Abreu, who I really want to get to. Uh, deeper deeper dive into Jose later on in the episode. But so tied up, and then all of a sudden we get to the sixth inning, and Josh Donaldson comes to the plate, and this was a very, very odd at bat. And this is uh, Andy Mazur and Darren Jackson on WGN talking about this at bat as it sort of played out and what led to the, uh, the, uh, the early exit, I guess you could say, for Josh Donaldson. Check the swing, takes a strike. It's now two and one. Uh, Donaldson's arguing with the home plate umpire, which he should. Yeah, he's got a beef. It was outside. So, Rockaball Deli going out. It, it appeared from his vantage point that Bellino looked to be baiting Donaldson a little bit, continuing the conversation rather than just saying, let's go back and play. 2-2 game in the sixth, the 2-1 pitch to Donaldson. A high fly ball deep down the left field line. That ball is gone. Well, there was a fastball in. And he just crossed home plate and got tossed out of the game because he kicked a bunch of dirt on the plate. And the umpire told him to uh, take a hike. So a home run and an ejection for Donaldson all in one rounding of the bases. That was rather impressive, by the way. <laughs> to think to do that coming after a home run. <laughs> I don't know how it helps your team. It but doesn't at all, but that's why I'm saying it's impressive. How thankful are we that Josh Donaldson got his ass kicked out of the game there in the sixth inning? 
that's exactly why I wrote it. I, I wrote a tweet. I was like, loved everything Josh Donaldson did there. Got a bad call. Bitched at the ump a little. Then performed. Crushed that ball that Ray Lowe threw. Leaked over the inside part of the play. Got those hands in and he murdered that ball. And then I was literally in the room with Mike Rankin. Mike Rankin from Future Socks also works the score. And I was like, he's going, he's still pissed about that. I could tell when he hit the ball, he said something to the effect of get the fuck out of here. And I know he was both, both talking to the ball and the umpire. Cause if you look at the replays, once he leaves home plate, the ump is like looking at Donaldson, like I fucking Donaldson for some reason. <laughs> and I can just feel that rounding the bases that was unresolved. And I didn't know he was going to do what he did there. I thought he was just going to look at the ump and just said, you did that. <laughs> I mean, eventually after he got kicked out of the game, he's like, Hey, that was on you. You white Sox, you want to blame somebody? Blame that up right there. I made, he made me hit that home run. And <laughs> yeah, I love that. He got kicked out of the game. A good third baseman with a plus bat. Yeah. Kick his ass out of the game. Every time I was big time fan of everything. Josh Donaldson. I love the swagger. I love the loud talking, and as a White Sox fan, I love him getting kicked out of the game. I wish Nelson Cruz would have did it. Actually, Byron Buxton, Nelson Cruz really didn't do anything this whole thing. Byron Buxton, one thing, they need to move his ass up the lineup. That man is much better than that Max Kepler garbage. But, yeah, yeah. I was a big-time fan of everything that was going on with that at bat right there. Yeah, Dan Bellino did not have a good game today. Um, it's, you know, he was bad for both sides, though, so that's really what, what mm-hmm. you want. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was interesting layer there. Uh, you know, kudos to Andy Mazur and DJ for acknowledging it in the moment that, yeah, he was kind of baiting uh, the twins a little bit. And that's one thing that you hate more than anything is an umpire injecting themselves into a situation. It's not good for anybody. No one, you know, pays MLB TV to watch umpires around the country, you know. So, yeah, that, that was interesting. And, of course, you know, the twins felt the warmth and luxury that they deserved. And they, they subbed in Andrianza for uh, Donaldson later in the game after that. But, yeah, I mean, you, you look at all those situations that are that arose in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning, you'd think, yeah, the Twins probably could have benefited from having Josh Donaldson up in that spot. I think Andrianza got a hit, but you know we, the, the, the power of Donaldson was really missing at, at that point. And, of course, we know from history – uh, Josh Donaldson, big time White Sox killer. Like he's one of the guys. Like he's on the Mount Rushmore of current guys who you don't want to mm-hmm. see up there uh, whenever the White Sox are playing. So yeah, so that was a big moment in that ball game in the sixth inning. And then after that, the Sox load the bases in the bottom half. Grandal leads off with a double. Abreu walks, and Carnacion hit by a pitch. And I thought the game was getting a little spicy at that point. And mm-hmm. Encarnacion looked like he he wanted to uh, to have a little little fracas. Him and he was going to bring the parrot out there and, <laughs> and and start cleaning some timepieces out there. Uh, but I don't know why he would have thought that. You know, it was a breaking ball, kind of hit him on the arm. But uh, after that, Moncada strikes out looking. He looked really bad in that at bat. He took one right down the middle, and it was frustrating. And we've talked about Moncada all year. I hope now that they've clinched a spot, they can give him a little breather. We'll talk about that and, and big picture stuff in a minute. But Luis Robert flies out to end the threat. Twins still have the lead. And top of the seventh here is where the game starts to get a little nuts. After Buxton reaches on a single, Marwan Gonzalez strikes out. Then Ryan Jeffers hits a ball out to Luis Robert, who dropped the ball. And I, in the moment, my first thought was, oh, no, there goes... There goes a gold glove. There goes rookie of the year. There could not be a worse moment for him to drop that ball. But credit to him, credit to Nick Madrigal. They executed a nice relay play, and they were able to throw out Buxton, who was trying to score from first base. And that game, all of a sudden, you know, it, you, you felt the juice after watching that. That was a huge play because if they don't convert there, you're looking at a 5-2 to two Twins lead getting later in the ball game there. So nice job by Cody Hoyer who ultimately got the win today, as I mentioned, but nice job from him from getting out of it and the next inning as well. But the bottom of the seventh is where the Sox finally broke through. Gerard Dyson, how about him today? Oh, you know, everyone, yeah. that's baseball for you, man. Everyone mad that he's in the lineup today, but it, it, it sounds less, you know, it sounds disingenuous saying it now, but, you know, I, I don't I don't go out there on Twitter and, and tweet my thoughts about a lineup every day, but it, it, I'm from the school of thought. If you got guys like this on your roster, you might as well get him an opportunity to get some at bats every now and then because God forbid something happens in a playoff game 
and you're going to have to have a guy come in and give you an at-bat and get you through a game because someone got hurt, you're going to want to make sure these guys get their at-bats as you lead up into this thing, you know, or you get into an extra inning affair in the playoffs and, oh, God, this guy hasn't had an at-bat in three months. Like, that's not a good situation. So I was glad they were able to get him some playing time today. And then he pays off and he gets two hits today. So he leads off the seventh with a single. Madrigal lines out. Dyson uh, was nearly doubled off, by the way. I don't know if you saw that play, but after I, he, did. I was like, oh. He should have been. should have been doubled Absolutely. off. Absolutely. with a horrible, horrible peg and a bad catch. Who was it? Marwin Gonzalez couldn't corral it. Sox caught a huge break right there. Could have changed the uh, the tide of the game. And you're wondering, like, oh, Dyson, you're out there for one thing, and that's to not have that happen to you. So please don't do that again. Thank you very much. So after he's nearly doubled off, Tim Anderson grounds out. Yasmani Grandal walks on four pitches, and then here comes Sergio Romo uh, for the Twins, and he's setting the table here for Jose Abreu with two out. Abreu on the ground, left-hand side, Polanco. Jose beat it out! This ball game is tied. Abreu another two-strike RBI. Big spot right there for Abreu. We were were watching in the score control room there, and uh, I remember thinking, oh, you know, it's deep enough in the hole. He's got a shot. But give credit to Jose Abreu, man, the leader of the team in a big spot. Makes contact, which is all you need sometimes, and he's hustling every step of the way. Every every inch of the 90 feet, he's hustling to first base, and it changed the the entire game. You have to love that from Jose Abreu. Yeah, I was uh, lamenting that. I was talking to – Mike and I was like, man, he's gonna throw him a slider. We all know that Sergio Romo's bread and butter is, and all Jose has to do is just serve it to the right field. And so, I was expecting that. Jose's been doing that most of this year. Whenever he needs to get a hit, he'll hit it where the ball is pitched. This one he got out out uh, in front of it a little more a uh, bit. Maybe he knew that you know just getting contact was the thing, and the wheels are there the he would beat that ball by plenty i thought when it was hit i was like oh innings over yeah it was good effort whatever but then as it started going i was like that shortstop's got a pop gun arm he can't get that ball over there jose was easily safe with that one i was like man i was really shocked that he beat that play out so easily and the RBI single, I was just yelling up in the score studios really loud. I don't think Mike Rankin was ready for that, you know, <laughs> watching a game for me with me for the first time. Like, it gets a little crazy with the Sox game, but a line-eye game is a little bit more intense. So you better not be in there when I'm watching a line-eye game. But, yeah, I started yelling really loud in the score studios. Luckily, the studio I was in is, like, uh, soundproof. So it was all good. No one else heard me except for Mike Rankin. You mentioned uh, Romo slider today, and he really had it working in the in the limited time that you saw it if you got if you got deep enough in the county you saw that slider you know it, you know breaking in back to the middle of the plate to a right-handed hitter so Elo Jimenez is up next and with the game tied at three he doesn't wait to get a slider deep into account he's out there first pitch hunting and now Eloy Jimenez rips one down the left field line the Sox are going to take the lead Gilmer Sanchez scores. Eloy's got a surprise for Sergio Romo, and it's 4-3. to three. Eloy very emotional out there at second base, yelling out, let's go to the dugout. A huge moment right there. One of the core players here of this organization, Eloy, coming through in a big spot, being aggressive, which how often did we talk about that over the past few weeks whenever the Sox offense sputtered? You know, he was out there being aggressive, first ball, fastball hunting, and he came through. What an at-bat, what a moment right there for Eloy Jimenez, Herb. It was huge. The guy's been uh, scrapping uh, yesterday and not having great at-bats, and so I was a little worried coming off a nice hot streak, and he just came through. He's um, he's a guy which I don't understand. He's a guy that is patient to a point, but also like he understood Romo, for the most part, is going to get that ball across, and He's going to uh, try to bait you with that slider late in the count and try to get you swinging out of there um, to be aggressive. And Eloy doesn't want to get in that type of situation. So he's like, I'm a see ball, I'm a hit ball. If I get one on my zone and where I can hit it, I'm going to crush it. And he did exactly that. And the thing I don't understand is why pitchers pitch to Eloy Jimenez. Like, why do they pitch him in the zone? You can get him out of the zone very easily uh, as of late. Same thing with Luis Robert, and they're starting to change their game plan towards him, and he's starting to struggle mightily right now. It just it just shocks me. Like, like 
what like it doesn't make sense do not pitch these people in the zone they're gonna get rocket hits well the problem with that logic sometimes though is when you have a lineup as deep as the white Sox and you have as many threats in that lineup as you do you all of a sudden get cute with a guy and you're not hitting your spots and you know he's, he's not chasing where you're offering outside of the zone all of a sudden you're walking people against a lineup like this so i i could see why you'd want to get ahead a early in the count if you're facing the White Sox, because then you could set up your your off-speed stuff and your secondary stuff. But, you know, old Sergio never, never had that opportunity with uh, Eloy Jimenez up there today. So, you know, just a, a nice job by Eloy attacking, uh, being aggressive early in the count, uh, coming through with that big double and giving the Sox the 4-3 to three lead there. Um, also, you go to the eighth inning. The Twins start to mount a mild threat after they got a two-out hit from Nelson Cruz, and out comes Colome for the four-out save. He gets out of the eighth inning, and the Sox go one, two, three in the bottom half of the eighth, leaving the Sox just three outs away from their first postseason berth since 2008. And inning started out with a line out from Sano, then Buxton lines out, and you're like, okay, maybe you can breathe a little bit with two outs, and then Marwan Gonzalez reaches on an infield single and like, okay, part of me was like, here we go. Like, you know, if I'm finding a little little bleeder gets through somewhere and all of a sudden you got the big boppers in the lineup, you know, after him coming through. But it was not the case. And I thought Jason Benetti did a great job encapsulating the moment, man. Benetti's just the goods. Here's how the game ended, courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. First pitch swing in the air. Luis Robert makes the catch. And in a year... When so many of us have had to be a part, we all will journey together into October with the White Sox for the first time in 12 years. The Sox are going to the playoffs. You know, as the night gets, you know, goes on here a little bit and and the more we're separated from that game tonight, you know, I just keep feeling happier and happier. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to feel about, you know, a shortened season. You're not clinching a division just yet. You're just clinching your, your right to be in the postseason. And it just, I don't, know, I don't know how you're feeling right now. Obviously, we're both feeling great. But I just, I didn't think that I was going to be this happy about it. You know, seeing everyone on social media throw up their 2008, this is me in 2008 versus this is me now, you know, the last time the, the Sox were in the playoffs, seeing all all the Sox fans show out today, and it, it, it was just like a family reunion out there, uh, you know, Sox fans at work, Sox fans on social media. Finally, the, the White Sox fans who have waited long enough finally have their day where we can just be happy, you know, we, we, we don't have to worry about playoff rotation just yet, we don't have to worry about getting everyone healthy and, and who the Sox are going to face in the first round. It's just, it was a joyous day on the South side. And I don't know how you're feeling right now, but I'm feeling really good about this team and the future of the team and that short-term and long-term. Like, I feel really good about this team right now going to the postseason, especially the way they've been winning in this twin series, not relying on the long ball and the big moments, you know, manufacturing runs, getting big base hits when you need. But Herb, it's been 12 long years. How are we feeling? I'm feeling really good. I think I feel a little bit better, which is weird, about taking three out of four from the Twins. I just don't like them, and I know that they're the biggest obstacle in the White Sox way. Going 5-5 five and five against them this year is a huge accomplishment, especially how it started and then how it continued when we went up to Minnesota. But making the playoffs the first time in 12 years, it hasn't hit me because – I didn't see them necessarily celebrating on the field. You know, the excitement, the different of not being there, people not being in attendance, it's kind of weird. And there was no camera in the locker room to see if they did celebrate, which I think they had to because I was waiting for them at the station to um, come up to the podium to speak. Ricky spoke pretty quickly after the game was over, and then it took a really long time, like 50 minutes, until Tim Anderson steps to the podium and then 10 more minutes until uh, Eloy Jimenez and then no one else stepped to the podium. So I was thinking that they're in the room or the clubhouse talking and just celebrating, having a good time, understanding what they've done and realizing that the job is not done yet. They want to take home a division title and then progress to the playoffs. But I feel really good. Like 2008, I was 29 years old. Uh, I think I was still, I was working at the score and I was thinking to myself, it's like, man, Young team, John Danks is 
filthy. He's young. <laughs> We're going to be great. Carlos Quinn. Home runs. Man, if yeah, Carlos Quinn could be a perennial yeah. MVP candidate, this team's in good shape for a while. Because, you know, you yeah, still got I mean, good years. Tough. Yeah, you still got good Paul Canerco years. Still got good Tommy years. Man, this team's going to rake forever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I'm sad he broke his hand on that uh, on the bat, but you know he'll be back next year in 2009. We're gonna we're gonna dominate in 2009, 2010. Um, yeah, so like that naive idiot back then thought that that was just the beginning. Like we had a little breeze, uh, slip it from not going to the playoffs. You know, 2006 was pretty good. 2007 we didn't make it, and then 2008 I was like, okay, here we're, we're back. This is the championship team that I was expecting, and so to understand how hard it is to get to the playoffs and there's been 12 years since we've gotten to the playoffs as white Sox fans feels great but i want more i'm greedy yeah. i want more we all want more Absolutely. we've all got that taste of that world series and ever since then i think nothing else can su- suffice that feeling you know th- there's no thing like i remember when i was a kid um you know everybody was like man i wish you know could finally have sex and then <laughs> once you do, it's like, oh, you're like, yeah, I wish I could have finally sex. And all I need to do is have it once. And then that's the lie that it's told. Like, once you do, you want it more. Like my friend Casey, I remember he was a virgin. I'm sorry, busting out Casey. He was 41-year-old, 42-year-old man now. Um, <laughs> he was a virgin at the time. And, and he was like, man, I wish I was like you guys who were all out here doing things, having girlfriends and such. I was like Casey, no. Nah, it's I, I wish I was you, who's a virgin, who doesn't who doesn't know what the feeling is to have sex, because that is not a. It's, you're chasing that dragon the whole rest of the time, of hey, let me have sex, let me have sex, and that's what the World Series is. I just want one World Series, and no, that doesn't happen. You can die happy. No, there's no such thing as dying happy. That's like I want two World Series, and once we get two, we want three. That's what I'm saying. It's an unsatiable thing. But we all do it. Well, sorry con- for the graphic thing. And well, con- congratulations to the sex life. Congratulations on the sex and uh, and to your friend too. Uh, while we're at it, KY jelly made right here in the United States. Yeah, uh, thank you, Stony. Um, yeah, man. I you know, I don't think this team is content. They've got a good enough mix of veterans and you know the young guys following their lead. You know, they were the message was on brand. You know, the it was it was you know everyone was saying the same things, the right things. Tim Anderson saying, you know, we haven't really accomplished anything yet, and eventually people will take notice of what we're doing, but we just have to keep winning. You know, Eloy Jimenez mentioned the World Series, and we're going to get to that in a second. But you know, just thinking about it, just I'm so happy that we will no longer have to see that graphic that you see on social media a lot and ESPN will show it's like longest playoff droughts in sports and the White Sox are no longer going to be in that graphic along with the Padres who are going to make it into the postseason this year and the Uh, Marlins too right um no no the Mariners was the other team that's in that graphic yeah for postseason droughts um but yeah man the Sox are no longer you know we get to exercise a lot of demons here, okay? Like over the years, the past, the last few years of White Sox baseball haven't been easy. I would say that the rebuild years have been easier than most people thought they would be. But I'm talking about the teams leading up to this point, okay? After the, after that division title in 2008, and I have a list here of names, and you just you think uh, about guys: Jason Nix, Josh Fields, uh, Mark. Sorry, why Jason Nix? Yeah, Mark Tien. I know that's your guy, but I love tea time. Brent Morrell, Jordan Danks, Dan Johnson, he's on the team for next year, Connor Gillespie, Jeff Kepinger, Casper Wells, Andy Wilkins, Ugh. Moises Sierra, Adam LaRoche, Trace Thompson, Micah Johnson, Mike Olt, Emilio Bonifacio, J.B. Shuck, Jerry Sands, Jason Coates, Willie Garcia, Jacob May, Reimer Liriano, Jose Rondon, Cody Ashey, Matt Skoll, and Yonder Alonzo. Just the below-average players that have been filling up White Sox uniforms since they're... You didn't even name that's, our favorite punching bag. Who's that? Adrisa Despagne. No, that's... that's. Not, I didn't even name any pitchers. Like, okay. I, I decided... I Yeah, I, we, we would all, you know, induce vomiting here from us and our listeners if I would have gone down the pitchers. That's just position players who oh. have, have filled out, you know, uh, numbers, numbers two through nine um, <laughs> on your lineup card. Just... Averageness, uh, below Some averageness. Some of them played a lot too. Yeah, like that Josh Fields thing was. Well, hey, this guy hit twenty home runs the rookie year. He's gonna be great. Nope. 
And I look at that and list of names, and I look at the names that are out there right now for this team, Eloy Jimenez, Yoan Moncada, guys that are here to stay, and they finally have foundational pieces that are going to be around here for a long time, and you're not going to have to fill those positions with, with guys like I mentioned on this list here. You know, it, just, it really does feel like a new era of White Sox baseball. It took way too long to get here. Um, but it's baseball, man. It's, it's a, it's a tough sport, and, you know, they were caught in between, but they finally acknowledged that they were going nowhere. And that was four years ago at this point. And here we are talking about this team on the cusp of their first postseason appearance in 12 years. And, you know, I, I think about a lot of guys on this team, but first I think about Rick Renteria, who has done a pretty good job this year. You know, we break down mm-hmm. all these games after they happen and yeah, everyone has their, their little, you know, contentious moments with lineup cards or bullpen usage and and we we talk about all those here but no manager is ever prepared for how to manage a ball club in this season of 2020 with COVID-19 you know setting the tone setting expectations on top of it for a team that's trying to win for the first time but also adhering to health protocols and you know trying to be there as a mentor and be there as 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 someone on the flip side someone to dole out discipline and set the tone if someone steps out of line and you know you had all these injuries for the Sox this year you had guys you know Yohan Moncada had COVID before the season even started Nomar Mazzara as well and trying to navigate through all those things and the limited travel and and keeping these young guys you know, safe and healthy over the course of a season and, and, and you know, encouraging to them to not go out, to not go to restaurants. We heard Ian Happ uh, on the station today from the Cubs and he talking about all the protocols that they're under. And it's not like us, you know, occasionally we'll go out to a restaurant and, you know, but they, they were basically discouraged to even go eat outside at a restaurant and, you know, still seeing their family less than they're used to in, in a time where a lot of people feel more connected to their family than ever. So here's Rick Renteria in charge of this whole thing. And then you put expectations of a team on top of it and you throw the injuries on top of that. And I think he's just done a great job and he's, he's put himself in a position where we're talking about Rick Renteria for manager of the year. And here's what he said after the game, just about the White Sox being in the position that they are today. You're playing the opponents. I mean, you're playing the the guys that have been ahead of you, you know, for the last few years. And so it feels good to, to do it. I mean, you, you take, again, you guys know, we, we take no no team for granted. Obviously, they're, they're the uh, reigning division champs. And so uh, being able to do it, might be more for, you know, everybody around and watching and maybe trying to give themselves a chance to say, maybe this club's okay. Maybe the White Sox are all right. You know, uh, I know there's a lot of questions that continue to be asked about where we're at in specific against uh, better clubs, but I, I don't think any of those men in that room have ever taken it in very lightly. And uh, I think to continue to get better. And, and uh, today was, was fun to be able to do it at home. Uh, I'm sure a lot of fans were watching them, I'm, I'm, you know, too bad they couldn't be here, but we're glad they're be able to see it and see what their team has been doing and developing to becoming, and, and hopefully uh, we can keep moving forward. The White Sox are all right, Herb, and uh, Rick Renteria, I think he's been all right himself. Uh, would you agree? I mean, overall, looking at the big picture, Rick Renteria has done a pretty damn fine job with this team this year. Yeah, and him uh, using reigning instead of defending there is uh, great. <laughs> it's the correct thing to say. Um, but, yeah, I think that Rick Renteria – needs credit because it was much maligned us right here on locked on socks me in particular asking for his job so many times and i still bitch about his lineup construction even though i know that lineup construction is negligible after a while but i just want better people hitting uh, the top of the lineup but i would say that the white Sox, as you're going through that list of players it's a lot of at the time i was thinking there's doing a lot of half measures they're just trying to compete but not also going out to do it. They're like, okay, we're going to get this mid-level free agent, plug him here, and that's one of our needs, and we'll be trying to go for the, the, the championship and also trying to rebuild at the same time. And they were just doing that, you know, Mike, Mike Armentrout said, yep. just half measures. I chose a half measure when I should have gone all the way. I'll never make that mistake again. Should have killed that guy in the field when he had a chance to before that guy went back home and killed his wife again. So eventually Rick Hahn seized control, convinced Kenny, convinced 
uh, Jerry uh, Jerry Rouse, Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> That's a different team if, if he, Rouse is running it. Yeah, that this team needed to go fully out to a rebuild, and they did it. And he got his way. And I've criticized him throughout, but credit is due to him particularly, and credit to those two guys, Williams and Reinsdorf, for listening and following his lead on this and making sure that they do not get in his way doing this. So, Rick Hahn, kudos all the way. And your uh, Teflon suit. Buy yourself a postseason edition of your Teflon suit, Rick. You can treat treat yourself. Yeah, he's going to be all good now. (laughs) But, um, yeah, they need credit. He needs credit. Rick Renteria needs credit. All the people out there who – Contributes to this. Marco Patti, who doesn't get named enough. I, you know what? The team, is, I the team to, is very international. I want to talk to someone at some point, maybe in the offseason. Uh, you know, I think about Marco Patti a lot lately because his imprint on this ball club is, is so large. And he, of course, uh, scouted Luis Robert. And, you know, since, you know, he helped change the face of this organization from a scouting perspective after that big scandal they had. You know, twelve years ago or whatever it was, but do you think you'll you'll start to hear Marco Patti's name? Of course, he he scouted Tatis Jr. as well. Do you think you'll hear his name maybe in in terms of the next GM in baseball with all the talent that that he's scouted for the White Sox that are making their they're making big names for themselves on on a, on a national stage for baseball? Guys like Tatis and Luis Robert. You think maybe we'll hear Marco Patti's name for GM consideration in the off season? Maybe not this year, but he's definitely got to be on people's radar. All the talent that's coming out of the Latin American countries, and he's getting these players to, let's be honest, about the White Sox. They're not the marquee name. No one really knew about the Whites. I mean, we know, but ESPN, of course, ignores us every time they get a chance to. We're the second team in this second city, and people really didn't, you know, look out to come to the White Sox. When Abreu came, that was a huge, uh, big-time signal out to the rest of Latin America. Hey, we got one of the best. And now we have on our team four Cubans. I think that is because of Abreu. That is because of Marco Patti. That is because of Yoan Mancada. That's, you know, just keeps on going down the line. Manny Minoso, a big-time Cuban legend, started here with the White Sox. Uh even Latino, uh, we got the first Latino manager to win a World Series, and Ozzy Guillen. Those things matter to people back at home. I know as a black man, when I see black men or women do things that I haven't seen in other avenues, I say, okay, I respect that. What that organization, what that person is doing, I respect that, and I want to be more like that. And so I'm sure people growing up, in Latin American countries, especially Cuba, see that some of their favorite Cuban stars are with the White Sox, and they want to be with that. And Marco Patti uh, eventually will have this chance to run a club because if no one gives him a chance, this is ridiculous because he's getting and seeing so many good players out there that the White Sox are eventually signing. He has to get some type of shot because he's an eye for talent. I mean, Fernando Tatis is going to win the National League Rookie of the Year, no matter if M- he traded or not. That man is talented. MVP. All talents. Yeah, MVP. MVP. Yeah. He's talented. Abreu is talented. Yoan Mancada trading for him. Talented. You know, um, to give Luis Robert all that money, pretty much sight on scene. I mean, they saw him play, but they didn't know he was going to be this. I didn't think he was going to be this. That's this is a testament to their scouting, their development, their patience, all those things. And the White Sox are that team that we've had, you know, envy towards other squads having. Like, man, that team can scout, they can have their major league talent be good. It's kind of like the Dodgers, like where you just keep on churning out good players, like, oh man, they got another good player. Oh man, they got another good player. And the major league talent is still good too. So it's a good place to be in. If we lose Marco Patti, I'll be happy to do that because he deserves his shot as a general manager or running a scouting department somewhere, uh, something, because I think he's being underutilized, not underutilized by the White Sox, but if he wants that bigger profile, he should get that. 
Well, he's got a couple of the biggest names in all of baseball uh, in his resume right now with Tatis and Luis Robert. So you have to think that he's going to get some consideration here. Yeah, man. Like for, I realized today how many young listeners uh, and followers the White Sox have. Not everyone is old and washed like we are, but you know there was a good ten year period there where there was just no real option of the White Sox acquiring any talent from from Latin America in terms of scouting someone. I should say. Um, free agency, obviously a different thing, but you know, the, the pipeline was, was barren because of the scandal where they were ripping off kids, uh, bonuses and things like that. And, and, uh, the guy who was running that, that whole scheme, um, Dave Wilder, Dave Wilder yeah, he wound up serving time in prison for that, but it's not something that we talked about a lot at the time, but the way that affected the White Sox and kids not wanting to sign with the White Sox and not trusting the White Sox and Marco Patti came in and I believe his first major signing salute was uh, Mike Rodolfo. Of course, he was, uh, was it Mike Zapata at the time was is is what the what his name was when he was first signed, but. Um, you know, and then here we are now, you know, that was, uh, I think, you know, about 10 years ago, however long ago that was, but, but yeah, man, the, the talent is there. And you mentioned Jose Abreu and I, I really want to get to him in a second. He became the first White Sox player with 51 RBI in the team's first 50 games since guess who, or who do you think? Zeke Bonura. <laughs> no, not Zeke Bonura. Damn it. It was number 35, Frank. Thomas. So when you're doing things for the White Sox that haven't been done since Frank Thomas, you're doing something right. And that's Jose Abreu right now for sure. So after the game, Tim Anderson spoke and, you know, thinking about the guys on this team and thinking about the guys that have been around here seemingly forever, guys that have been here since before the the unofficial start of the, the rebuild began. Uh, Tim Anderson was one of the first draft picks. Uh, you know they that they selected before the rebuild even began, and sort of didn't know what the plans were going to be for him. Like, could you know, could this former basketball player turn into a top tier shortstop in baseball? And he's answered all those questions uh, the past two seasons. And he himself is on the cusp of maybe winning an American League MVP award if Abreu doesn't beat him out for it. But someone uh, asked Tim after the game about. You know, thinking about guys like him and Jose Abreu who have been around here for a while and and have been yearning for that opportunity to, to win finally, and now it's here. And, you know, I think it was Vinny Duber maybe or James Fegan that asked Tim Anderson if he and Abreu sort of had a, a moment after the game, and apparently they did. Yeah, um, you know, man, it was just a big hug, man. You know, we – well, he was here before me, but we've been here. And, uh, you know, to finally see that, you know, this hard work is paying off. And, uh, you know, we kind of head in the right direction, the direction we want to be in. Um, like I said, we got to keep going and keep uh, continue to get better each and every day. I can't stop thinking about Jose Abreu, Herb, and just thinking about the, the circumstances in which he came over here. Obviously, before yeah, the embargo was lifted in Cuba, Jose Abreu had to get smuggled to Haiti before he even got to the United States. I was reading that article that came out a couple years back about all the stuff he had to to endure to get here. And I remember like it was yesterday when Ken Rosenthal broke in I think it was the 2013 World Series announcing like White Sox have signed uh, this coveted Cuban prospect Jose Abreu, and at that time there was a it's a big deal for the Sox, and I think maybe a lot of us thought the Sox would see some success sooner than they did, but you know it, he's been here for for seven years practically, and they have not won anything. But you think about what Jose Abreu endured to get here. Uh, I remember reading the story about he was smuggled to Haiti from Cuba. And he's on a, f- a plane coming to the United States from Haiti, and he's in a he locked himself in an airplane bathroom because he wanted to eat the fake Haitian passport before landing in the United States. He said he went back and uh, to his seat after you know uh, flight attendants were banging on the door wondering what he was doing in there. Then he goes back to his seat on this airplane, and here he is. This guy's on the verge of maybe winning American League MVP, but seven years ago he he's he's downing a fake passport and washing it down with an ice cold Heineken on an airplane on the way to the United States, man. And just all the all the all the stuff he endured to get here, and then here he is sitting through six seasons of, of losing before the Sox finally get to the postseason and. You know, he he made sixty eight million dollars on that initial contract, and a lot of that money ended up going to smugglers who you know are still kind of a part of these guys' lives. Like you can read about Puig too, in a similar vein. But and then he can't see his son on top of it. Uh, for the first two years he was here, he couldn't his son couldn't see him play until the Sox had a road trip down in Miami, and he, his son was finally able to see him play. So you just think about 
those things that happen and, and, and you cannot help but just be excited and happy. And Jose Abreu was playing the best baseball of his career and it's for this team. And I can't stop thinking about him in this moment, man. He's, he's been huge for the White Sox the past six seasons and, and he's been huge in, in the season that matters most, which is 2020. Yeah, and we were talking about Marco Patti had to do some convincing of other people in the front office, I think namely Kenny Williams, to get him sold on what Jose Breu can bring to the table. So, yeah, that story about him getting smuggled over here from Cuba is very harrowing. And, you know, he tells you exactly how, you know, how much he wanted to be here to go through the hell that he had to go through to get to America. Um and like you said, without his son for two plus years, that's very sad. And that's uh, probably the hardest thing that somebody as a father would have to do. Um, but yeah, he deserves his kudos as I famously, not famous, I'm, but <laughs> I as Sox lore put down when he got re-signed for whatever he got re-signed for. I was like, this is going to be a horrible contract. He's old. He's done. His numbers are dwindling. I am not a fan of this move. And I've been proven majorly wrong. I'll take it because this man deserves all the kudos in the world. Defensively, I want to talk about. He has improved tenfold. I think last year, defensive run safety was like a negative 18 or negative 8. This year, I haven't looked it up lately, but a week ago, he was at plus six defensive runs saved, which is the most by any first baseman in the game. Last year, he was second to last. That improvement by itself would make this deal worth it. He's saving runs as a first baseman. And you could see so many times where Timmy or Yoan much more is throwing these balls really poorly and he's doing the job and he's fielding his position. He's always had that three, six, three ability to double somebody off, but he's gotten limber. He's gotten in better shape and his stretch is a little bit better on defense, but this offense, if anybody would have told you that Jose Abreu would be this guy, they're lying to themselves. No one thought that Jose Abreu would be the MVP front runner for the American league. No one. I didn't. And he is, when he signed he that deal, when he, when he signed that deal to to stay here, I was like, "All right, th- that's fine. You need someone until Andrew Vaughn's ready." But I didn't expect this out of him. I don't think anyone did, as you said. I mean, it's just it's amazing what he's doing at at this stage in his career. And he had to have been thinking at times, like you think about that night in 2016 that led to this whole thing happening. Sox decide they want to wear throwback jerseys to the the 1980 team or whatever it was, and the 77 team or whatever it was, and. Chris Sale decides, you know what? I don't want to wear these stupid jerseys. And he goes on the, the the tirade and he starts tearing up jerseys in the clubhouse. And, you know, I wonder if Abreu ever thought in that moment, like, I left Cuba, I, you know, on a, on a raft to Haiti and, and ate a passport for this shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but I, I suppose maybe that does give you perspective. You know, I wonder how many times Abreu saw what Puig was doing in L.A. or some of the other Cuban players, what Grandal was doing for the Dodgers or for the Brewers, you know, like, any stop along the way, like, I wonder if he had to think, man, this, there has to be something better out there for me than this current version of the White Sox team that I'm on. But he, he never broke bad. The only thing he ever did really was he, he came out and said, yeah, the front office, they should add pieces to supplement this young core. And they didn't add a lot in the trade deadline last year, but they did add in the offseason. And I think they were going to do that anyway. But to have your leader like Jose Abreu come out and say that, you know, it shouldn't be understated in this situation. So I'm just I'm just so happy for Jose Abreu. He's finally going to get a chance uh, to shine in the postseason. And and who knows, man, if he can go crazy like he did against the Cubs that week, um, you know, I'll, I, I could not. That's totally not in the, out of the realm of possibility for Jose Abreu to all of a sudden have a coming out party in the postseason. I, I certainly would like to see that. But uh, moving on here, Elo Jimenez spoke on the field after the game and and he mentioned the World Series and this guy, you know, came over from the Cubs and and we've, we watched him look real bad in his rookie year and then you, you see him come through at the end of the season and start to figure things out and now you're starting to see him hit the opposite field now and become an even more dangerous hitter and he's starting to look like that young Miguel Cabrera that I sometimes comp him to. But here's Eloy on the field with the Benetti and Stone after the game. You're going to the playoffs. What do you think about that? Yeah, that was my thought the first time I say in uh, Sauce Fest, you know. Uh, we made it. Uh, we just need to keep fighting and uh, made the World Series. 
You just said World Series. I like that. Yeah, yeah, man. World Series. I don't think uh, it, it, it's a pipe dream that this team could be playing deep, deep, deep into October and facing whoever comes out of that National League, whether it's the Padres, the Dodgers, whoever. It's it's becoming a reality now, seeing this team finally exercise the Demons and beat the Twins and, and, and see them show up in big spots. And I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I'm buying the Sox's possible World Series contenders here. What do you think? I mean, I was sitting down to dinner tonight with Courtney, and I was saying – there's no team that I fear except for the Los Angeles Dodgers just because they're a juggernaut right now. But that we have, we have to wait until the World Series to see the well, the Los Angeles Dodgers. There's no team in the American League. I just start thinking about it. It's like I think I told you yesterday while we're leaving. It's like, yeah, I'd rather not play Cleveland in the first round. But now yeah. I'm thinking, like, fuck them. Bring them. Yeah. Whoever, whoever wants it, let them come. And there's no team in that. Even if the retooled Yankees come to town. We last time we saw Garrett Cole, we hung seven on him. Enjoy that, Garrett Cole. <laughs> We're gonna smoke them. We're gonna whoop them too. Minnesota knows they've been put on notice now that we ain't fucking around. Tampa Bay, we haven't seen them the whole year. I'm, you know, there's nothing there I'm really worried about. I mean, if we catch the Rona, we catch it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If I get the Rona, um, you know, it's it's just it's crazy, man, to think about it. And I, I don't care who they play. I don't think this team cares who they play now. All I worry about is I want them to get healthy. Give you Yuan Moncada a breather at the end of the season. Maybe give him that last weekend off. Dallas Keuchel is supposed to be going tomorrow night, right, against the Reds in Cincinnati. So they've uh, announced that it was Jonathan Stever pitching the first night. Okay. Keuchel on Saturday, and then Sunday's a bullpen day, or it said TBA. Okay. Well, probably maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. It's it's not as important now, thankfully. I, I think they're still trying to win that division because you heard a lot of guys mention that they were going to save the real celebration for if they clinch the division. You know, which uh, seems trivial trivial at this point. But I just hope they're they're healthy and have the best version of this team to go up against whoever they're going to face. You know, I, I don't think they fear anyone, and uh, we as fans shouldn't either. You play who's on the schedule in front of you that night, man. So, uh, yeah, here we are. Sox finally back in the postseason, and you know it feels good to say it, man. But uh, I, this team has been so enjoyable this year, and you know, for a lot of us out there personally, that it's been a nice distraction. This team and the way they go out and have fun and, and compete as a team and give us something to look forward to every night. And uh, you know, I, I didn't expect the success to happen in a shortened season like this. Like I thought maybe they would struggle to find their way through the first half. You know, like you see often with young teams before they they click like late in the season and then like by July and August, you're like, okay, yeah, I can see the pieces of this and I can see maybe them being a contender next year. But no, they they came together quickly and they rebounded so fast after that rough start early in the season. And, and here they are now, man. It's just It's been fun to watch them all year. And it's, it's the reason why we got together on this podcast, man, because we knew this team was going to be exciting, but I don't think we knew they were going to be this good this quickly. So uh, I, I'm here for it, man. More, more consequential baseball coming. Yeah, the thing I'm looking at right now is the White Sox in the playoffs were to start today. The White Sox will face the Toronto Blue Jays in the first round as the White Sox are the number one seed. Blue Jays are now the eighth seed as Cleveland, I think, won tonight. Um, I'm looking at the rest of the standings, and I'm looking at Detroit and Kansas City. If they didn't play the White Sox at all, either of those teams, they'll be above 500. <laughs> they gave That's crazy. Detroit nine of their 28 losses, and Kansas City, nine of their 29 losses. It's like, man, that's just looking at those people like, man, that team just dominated us. They beat the shit out of us. Otherwise, we're just doing excellently versus everybody else, much better than we thought. That's how good the White Sox are this year. They're, I think I said it the other day, they have 10 games left. And if they get seven, they're going to win 40 <laughs> of their games, Unreal. of their 60 games. Unreal. Like, they're two games away from your thing where I was like, come on. Yeah, you thought I was like White Sox meatball when I predicted 35 wins. Yeah, now, like yeah. I said, I look like you a hater now. Yeah. <laughs> Hope they post God, my prediction damn. up on the bulletin board there. <laughs> <laughs> this just guy. looking at Danny, just like throwing yeah. darts at you. This idiot taking said, off clothing from Danny. <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely want that. Uh, but, but yeah, man, I, I, you know, I think about what, uh, you know, I, I don't want to look ahead, but just just baseball, just over the years, you know, there's always been that team that's been a buzzsaw. 
And then, you know, the World Series has turned to the Los Angeles Dodgers Invitational. You know, they, they show up there practically every year and they get bounced. And, and lose. And, yep. Yeah, and they lose. And there's no guarantees in this game, man. And very well, this could be the year. You know, the, the you know, you're you're talking uh, White Sox Dodgers, you know, rematch from the '59 World Series where the Dodgers won, and who's to say the Dodgers Yo. don't don't win again? You know, like who's to say it finally is the Dodgers' year and it's going to be at the White Sox expense? You never know. But just, you know, I never would have thought that the Nationals last year would have gotten past the Dodgers, and all of a sudden you have a big game, and here's Howie Kendrick out here in his old ass hitting home runs in, in a big time spot. So baseball's funny that way, man, and, and you know, it leaves you really hopeful. Uh, for what's to come in the postseason but you know the the air is crisp out there you know there's nfl on the tv but the white Sox are in the playoffs man it's it's a feeling that i, I almost forgot what it felt like but you know you, you get the the uh the postseason hoodie on and and you know just it's it's unbelievable man it's i'm glad it's finally here that, that's, all, that's all i have to say just exciting stuff man yeah and now i'm thinking more about the dodgers the white Sox eat left-handers and their second best pitcher on their team one maybe be- their best pitcher going to the hall of fame clayton kershaw will eat his damn lunch when we face him. <laughs> now walker Buehler might have a, have us but if clayton kershaw gets that game one game four game seven start we're winning the goddamn world series <laughs> down there in texas why not dream Deep in the heart of texas for instance exactly yeah. Uh, why not celebrate uh, tonight and, th- and think big, man? But we'll be back tomorrow or, or Saturday. Haven't figured that out yet to, to finish the week that was and, and round out another week of shows. Thank you for filling in uh, last or two nights ago. Last night it was one of those, ah, you guys don't want to consume that. I certainly didn't want to consume any post game from that game last night. But thank you for filling in two nights ago. After and game- I was high last night too, so that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> because I got high. Um, yeah, man. So thank you for filling in a couple nights ago. It was a fun game. I did watch it all the way through, but I was just swamped with work stuff. Uh, if you've been reading uh, the news, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about there. But, uh, what the- happened? Oh, um, a thing happened, and uh, a thing <laughs> happened after that. And I got more work oh. because of it. <laughs> But anyway, oh, so you got more money too? <laughs> okay, Maybe. well, awesome. <laughs> I got I got more respect in the industry. <laughs> Plat- mm, that's what that's what we working for, friends. Platinum respect. respect. Yeah, but thank yeah. you for filling in the other night. I just wanted to zone out. Like I I didn't watch very intently the other night with Dane Dunning, but man, he looked great. And uh, you know the thoughts of him possibly in a short series is very intriguing at this point. But yeah, that's all I got tonight, Herbie. It's been uh, it's, it's, I didn't know if this day would ever come. There, I was trying to find a tweet that I had from last year. Sox were, were playing, maybe it was the Mariners, but it was a team they should have been beaten handily. And I just remember thinking, you know, there's days during the rebuild where I was like, man, I know the logical part of my brain. That's what we do here, right? I'm the logical Sox fan, going to talk you off the ledge, and you're the one that comes with the pyre in the fashion. Um, but I remember thinking, I was like, man, is this team ever going to be good again? Or, you know, you fall into all these injuries that they have and all the Tommy John surgeries and you know, prospect struggles. And I'm like, I don't know if this team will ever be good again. And then they have nights where Lucas Giolito shuts out the Astros. And okay, I can see it now. And finally, we're here. And this team is finally set up for sustained success. And and, and I'm here for it. And I want to thank you listeners for being here every step of the way in 2020. Yeah, and I just think about, I hearken back to that uh, night at Reggie's that we had. I mean, uh, from the yeah. 108 guys I saw a lot there. of photos from that today on Twitter. People were, you know, showing that was like one of the last nights uh, <laughs> people were out doing things. <laughs> you know, yeah, I saw a lot of those pictures today on Twitter. It was good times, you know, with Beef Loaf, and of course, Jerezy E, Mike Sox Summer, Josh Nelson, James Fegan, guys from uh, Socks on Tap. Uh, a lot of people just out there just enjoying times. You know, after Sox Fest and me, you, Barry Rosner, even though he's not a, a Sox fan, uh, Joe Strauss, was there, Lawrence Holmes, Jason Goff, just all good fellowshipping. I remember that good feeling of that day, just of talking to each other, just having uh, each other's backs and, and for finally meeting each other. Mailman Jack, of course, my our guy Pete Han was in the house. It just uh, good fellowship. And now we're here. I wish that you know, one of these days we can, you know, celebrate this together again, you know, listening to this podcast or what from one away or socks on tap or sons of Hanarchy or whatever one you listen to sock machine, sax machine. Um, <laughs> it's good. It's, you know, we appreciate you guys consuming the product, but us coming together one of these days, my man, Zoe pinwheels and Ivy too, uh, Matt Zawaski, 
you know, we just want to get together and enjoy each other once this thing is over. That's the only thing that's missing from this White Sox thing because we struggled together. We need to celebrate together. So it was good to get on Twitter today and do the chugs for dubs and, you know, just have that type of camaraderie again. So I felt good about that, but I'm missing you guys. I want to celebrate with all you guys who are out there, you know, enjoying uh, times of, you know, the, we've been through the struggles, so we need to celebrate the wins. So I'm glad we're celebrating the wins individually. Eventually we need to get together. So I don't know if you need to say any more, Chris. No, I just, I, I, I just capped that with talking about, you know, guys who have been doing blogs and podcasting. We got in late in the game in terms of the White yes. Sox rebuild. Like we, we jumped in at, at literally the perfect opportunity, okay? And we've had – uh, our, our share of success here in the early going because of our, our following at the score and you know people like what we do but you think about the guys putting in the actual work during the rebuild years and blogging and doing podcasts about things that at the time a lot of people were like oh who cares about this or if we're talking white socks on the radio while the cubs are you know uh, dominating the national league but you know the, the sock we're talking socks prospects and people are like oh, i don't want to hear about that you know what i mean like everyone doing the the the, the hard work Leading James up, Fox. yeah, Fox been a great resource. You know all those guys. You know, Future Socks. You know, I was always checking them out. Brian Billick. You know, all these guys who are who are doing the important groundwork for us, making us more informed about these guys before they see the major league level, and everyone else just you know that continued to to talk about the Socks and blog about the Socks, write about the Socks. You know, even when when times were at their most lean. So you know, just the the work. You know, I think you guys can all take a deep breath tonight, uh, have an adult beverage, and appreciate uh, all the hard work and appreciate what's to come, uh, the the uncertainty of it all. And, and you know, that that's what's fun about it is we don't know uh, what the ceiling is for this team. But, yeah, just to pat yourselves on the back and uh, a job well done by by all the Sox media contingent uh, this, this year and in years past. But, yeah, that, that's all I got, Herb. Yeah, and uh, Brett Ballantini, too. Uh, Ballant- I've always Ballantini? heard his name, but... Yeah, Brett Ballandini, uh, always in the uh, the, the socks uh, zooms. <laughs> Merck, <laughs> uh, our guy Billy Russo is with the. Uh, yeah, the we're really there. that's really an, an inside joke there for like the five people who are in on a White Sox uh, Zoom chat and a post game call, which is you know not many of our listeners, but yeah, Billy Russo moderates that some nights, and uh, of course they let Ray do it today. Ray Garcia to, was Ray, doing the yeah, yeah he, that was that was a lot of hard work sticking around after hours in the ballpark waiting for all these players to get back from doing whatever it is they were doing. Uh, no alcohol in the clubhouse. Oh, absolutely not. Mm. There def- definitely wasn't any. Yeah, it was bone dry. Yeah, yeah. See. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he was so yeah. It was, it was it's very inside uh, Sox post game humor there. So at that point, I think it's a good time to end the show. <laughs> All right, that is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence at Ecknerwall twenty three. The show is at Locked On Sox on both Twitter and Instagram. If you want to write us an email, somebody did today. Said we we're bandwagon fans. Whatever, write us emails. Oh, we read them. Yeah, we read it. Bandwagon fan. We read it. Damn what, right we did. What about our? I don't know what your name is. What um, about our twins fan? It? What about our twins uh, fan? I, I noticeably blocked, silent. Oh, but you oh, blocked. I blocked <laughs> Leslie a long time ago. I should unblock him or her. Leslie is just a, such a androgynous name. I don't know if it's a him or her or they. You know, into <laughs> exactly the pronouns. pronouns. Yep. Um, but I blocked Leslie, so I will probably unblock and see what the messages are, are about, or just write Leslie a nice message when the White Sox do win the AL Central, and then when the Twins all. And the Twins, of course, lose their first round series versus the Yankees. <laughs> twins, shitty My- Twins. And by the way, that's the first round matchup right now. The four versus the five. Oh Let's no, keep that going. you gotta hate oh, that. Oh, they're pissing in their pants. <laughs> yeah, Yankees coming on strong. That, they're yeah, like, they're like, hey, Cleveland, come and get these games so we <laughs> go down to the seven. We don't have to face those Yankees anymore. Um, but yeah, um, thank you guys for listening. If you want to email us, it is lockedonsocks at gmail.com. We read them all. Even the negative ones, not all of them make the show. This one made the show. It made the show. Good job. You call us bandwagon fans, and we're here for you, you jerk. Uh, so LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Seriously, why would you bandwagon? I mean, why would I go through that whole damn time to just jump on? Like, I picked when I was 12 years old. I picked the Illini and the White Sox <laughs> in 1990. Like, I was the dumbest kid in the world. I mean, it's paying off now, finally. 2005 was a 
excellent year. It was what, it was like the best year of all time. Illini in the national championship, the White Sox win the World Series. But man, it's been a long slug. So you'll never call me a bandwagon fan because that shit is rough. <laughs> we are we all know way as White Sox fans. We've been yeah. through the, the hell of the world. I, Even they forgot our World Series so many goddamn times. Even after we won it. I almost resented my daughter, my six year old daughter, when I came home today, just out of coincidence, she was wearing her pink white Sox cap today and she's like a girly girl she doesn't like wearing baseball caps but she was outside playing so she was wearing her socks hat today when i got home there she was sitting on the couch with her socks fat and i'm just like you have no idea how good you're about to have it hopefully for the next 10 years and uh, you know but you're almost glad in a way that she's not a little bit older or not mm-hmm. a boy and all of a sudden you know she'd be a cub fan possibly you know like so it's it's at the right time to be raising a, a young white Sox fan so hopefully she doesn't have to endure the things that we, we endured <laughs> Yeah, we don't hate the, have to hate your daughter like we hate that kid in New England. It's like, oh yeah, I'm 16 and I've won 12 championships. <laughs> Shut up, kid. Hate that kid. You just happened to be born in Boston when the good time. You didn't do anything for it, <laughs> jerk kid. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, I hope she is a spoiled of championships <laughs> with the White Sox. I don't care about the rest of the teams. Is she a Bears fan? Um, yeah, she likes watching football with Daddy, but she doesn't really care. Okay. She's yeah. Okay. So I, I would I would never steer her to be a Bears fan. Yes. <laughs> Please make your own. Deci- it's a rough ass life. <laughs> make your own decisions, kid. <laughs> I'm not going to pressure you. There's no Bears stuff in my house. So like that's like a sign right there. Like oh, I guess Daddy doesn't care. Like yes, please go ahead. <laughs> go yeah. have your Sundays free. <laughs> yeah. Ex- oh yeah. No kidding. <laughs> All right. So Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence, and since we're doing this, we're like doing the Ed Farmer. We've tried to. Yep. Wind down a couple times, and it's not happening, friends. We'll see you at the uh, health club. Don't say hi to me, though. Uh, and I made a, re- a great reference earlier Don't today. Don't talk to me tomorrow about what happened, friends. I know I'm going to see you at the health club. <laughs> Feel free to talk to us at the health club tomorrow. All right. For Chris Danahill, I am Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this playoff clinching edition of Locked On Socks. <laughs>